Chapter Fifty One, Part One of Life and Adventures of Martin Chuzzlewit. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Life and Adventures of Martin Chuzzlewit by Charles Dickens. Chapter Fifty One Sheds New and Brighter Light Upon the Very Dark Place and contains the sequel of the enterprise of Mr. Jonas and his friend. Part One. The night had now come when the old clerk was to be delivered over to his keepers. In the midst of his guilty distractions, Jonas had not forgotten it. It was a part of his guilty state of mind to remember it, for on his persistence in the scheme depended one of his precautions for his own safety— a hint, a word from the old man, uttered at such a moment in attentive ears, might fire the train of suspicion and destroy him. His watchfulness of every avenue by which the discovery of his guilt might be approached sharpened with his sense of the danger by which he was encompassed. With murder on his soul and its innumerable alarms and terrors dragging at him night and day, he would have repeated the crime if he had seen a path of safety stretching out beyond. It was in his punishment, it was in his guilty condition. The very deed which his fears rendered insupportable, his fears would have impelled him to commit again. But keeping the old man close, according to his design, would serve his turn. His purpose was to escape, when the first alarm and wonder had subsided, and when he could make the attempt without awakening instant suspicion. In the meanwhile, these women would keep him quiet, and if the talking humour came upon him, would not be easily startled. He knew their trade. Nor had he spoken idly when he said the old man should be gagged. He had resolved to ensure his silence, and he looked to the end, not the means. He had been rough and rude and cruel to the old man all his life, and violence was natural to his mind in connection with him. "'He shall be gagged if he speaks, and pinioned if he writes,' said Jonas, looking at him, for they sat alone together. He is mad enough for that. I'll go through with it. Hush! Still listening, to every sound. He had listened ever since, and it had not come yet. The exposure of the assurance office, the flight of Crimple and Bullamy with the plunder, and among the rest, as he feared, with his own bill, which he had not found in the pocket-book of the murdered man, and which, with Mr. Pecksniff's money, had probably been remitted to one or other of those trusty friends for safe deposit at the bankers. His immense losses, and peril of being still called to account as a partner in the broken firm, all these things rose in his mind at one time and always, but he could not contemplate them. He was aware of their presence, and of the rage, discomfiture, and despair they brought along with them, but he thought, of his own controlling power and direction, he thought, of the one dread question only, when they would find the body in the wood. He tried, he had never left off trying, not to forget it was there, for that was impossible, but to forget to weary himself by drawing vivid pictures of it in his fancy, by going softly about it and about it among the leaves, approaching it nearer and nearer through a gap in the boughs, and startling the very flies that were thickly sprinkled all over it, like heaps of dried currants. His mind was fixed and fastened on the discovery, 
for intelligence of which he listened intently to every cry and shout, listened when any one came in or went out, watched from the window the people who passed up and down the street, mistrusted his own looks and words, and the more his thoughts were set upon the discovery, the stronger was the fascination which attracted them to the thing itself, lying alone in the wood. He was for ever showing and presenting it, as it were, to every creature whom he saw. "'Look here. Do you know of this? Is it found? Do you suspect me?' If he had been condemned to bear the body in his arms, and lay it down for recognition at the feet of every one he met, it could not have been more constantly with him, or a cause of more monotonous and dismal occupation than it was in this state of his mind. Still, he was not sorry. It was no contrition or remorse for what he had done that moved him. It was nothing but alarm for his own security. The vague consciousness he possessed of having wrecked his fortune in the murderous venture intensified his hatred and revenge, and made him set the greater store by what he had gained. The man was dead. Nothing could undo that. He felt a triumph yet in the reflection. He had kept a jealous watch on Chuffy ever since the deed, seldom leaving him but on compulsion, and then for as short intervals as possible. They were alone together now. It was twilight, and the appointed time drew near at hand. Jonas walked up and down the room. The old man sat in his accustomed corner. The slightest circumstance was matter of disquiet to the murderer, and he was made uneasy at this time by the absence of his wife, who had left home early in the afternoon and had not returned yet. No tenderness for her was at the bottom of this, but he had a misgiving that she might have been waylaid and tempted into saying something that would criminate him when the news came. For anything he knew, she might have knocked at the door of his room while he was away and discovered his plot. Confound her, it was like her pale face to be wandering up and down the house. Where was she now? She went to her good friend Mrs. Todgers, said the old man, when he asked the question with an angry oath. Ay, to be sure, always stealing away into the company of that woman. She was no friend of his. Who could tell what devil's mischief they might hatch together? Let her be fetched home directly. The old man, muttering some words softly, rose as if he would have gone himself, but Jonas thrust him back into his chair with an impatient imprecation, and sent a servant-girl to fetch her. When he had charged her with her errand, he walked to and fro again, and never stopped till she came back, which she did pretty soon, the way being short, and the woman having made good haste. Well, where was she? Had she come? No, she had left there full three hours. Left there? Alone? The messenger had not asked, taking that for granted. "'Curse you for a fool! Bring candles!' She had scarcely left the room when the old clerk, who had been unusually observant of him ever since he had asked about his wife, came suddenly upon him. "'Give her up!' cried the old man. "'Come, give her up to me. Tell me what you have done with her. Quick! I have made no promises on that score. Tell me what you have done with her.' He laid his hands upon his collar as he spoke, and grasped it, tightly, too. "'You shall not leave me,' cried the old man. "'I am strong enough to cry out to the neighbours, and I will, unless you give her up. Give her up to me.' Jonas was so dismayed and conscience-stricken that he had not even hardihood enough to unclench the old man's hands with his own, 
but stood looking at him as well as he could in the darkness, without moving a finger. It was as much as he could do to ask him what he meant. "'I will know what you have done with her,' retorted Chuffy. "'If you hurt a hair of her head, you shall answer it. Poor thing! Poor thing! Where is she?' "'Why, you old madman!' said Jonas, in a low voice, and with trembling lips. "'What bedlam fit has come upon you now?' "'It is enough to make me mad, seeing what I have seen in this house,' cried Chuffy. "'Where is my dear old master? Where is his only son that I have nursed upon my knee, a child? Where is she, she who was the last, she that I've seen pining day by day, and heard weeping in the dead of night? She was the last, the last of all my friends.' "'Heaven help me! She was the very last!' Seeing that the tears were stealing down his face, Jonas mustered courage to unclench his hands and push him off before he answered. "'Did you hear me ask for her? Did you hear me send for her? How can I give you up what I haven't got, idiot? You could I'd give her up to you and welcome if I could, and a precious pair you'd be!' "'If she has come to any harm,' cried Chuffy, "'Mind, I'm old and silly, but I have my memory sometimes, "'and if she has come to any harm—' "'Devil take you,' interrupted Jonas, but in a suppressed voice still. "'What harm do you suppose she has come to? "'I know no more where she is than you do. "'I wish I did. "'Wait till she comes home and see. "'She can't be long. "'Will that content you?' "'Mind!' exclaimed the old man. "'Not a hair of her head, not a hair of her head ill-used. "'I won't bear it.' "'I—I I have borne it too long, Jonas. "'I am silent, but I—I—I I, I can speak. "'I—I—I I, I can speak,' he stammered, "'as he crept back to his chair, "'and turned a threatening, though a feeble look upon him. "'You can speak, can you?' thought Jonas. "'So-so, we'll stop your speaking. "'It's well I knew of this in good time. "'Prevention is better than cure.' He had made a poor show of playing the bully and evincing a desire to conciliate at the same time, but was so afraid of the old man that great drops had started out upon his brow, and they stood there yet. His unusual tone of voice and agitated manner had sufficiently expressed his fear, but his face would have done so now without that aid, as he again walked to and fro, glancing at him by the candlelight. He stopped at the window to think. An opposite shop was lighted up, and the tradesman and a customer were reading some printed bill together across the counter. The sight brought him back instantly to the occupation he had forgotten. "'Look here! Do you know of this? Is it found? Do you suspect me?' A hand upon the door. "'What's that?' "'A pleasant evening,' said the voice of Mrs. Gamp. "'Though warm, which, bless you, Mr. Chuzzlewit, we must expect when Calcumbers is three for tuppence. "'How does Mr. Chuffy find himself to-night, sir?' Mrs. Gamp kept particularly close to the door in saying this, and curtsied more than usual. She did not appear to be quite so much at her ease as she generally was. "'Get him to his room,' said Jonas, walking up to her and speaking in her ear. "'He has been raving to-night, stark mad. Don't talk while he's here, but come down again.' "'Poor sweet dear!' cried Mrs. Gamp, with uncommon tenderness. "'He's all of a tremble.' "'Well, he may be,' said Jonas, after the mad fit he has had. "'Get him upstairs.' She was by this time assisting him to rise. "'There's my blessed old chick,' cried Mrs. Gamp, in a tone that was at once soothing and encouraging. "'There's my darlin' Mr. Chuffy. 
"'Now come up to your own room, sir, and lay down on your bed for a bit, "'for you're a-shaking all over, as if your precious giants was hung upon wires. "'That's a good creetur. Come with Sarie.' "'Is she come home?' inquired the old man. "'She'll be here directly minute,' returned Mrs. Gamp. "'Come with Sari, Mr. Chuffy. Come with your own Sari.' The good woman had no reference to any female in the world in promising this speedy advent of the person for whom Mr. Chuffy inquired, but merely threw it out as a means of pacifying the old man. It had its effect, for he permitted her to lead him away, and they quitted the room together. Jonas looked out of the window again. They were still reading the printed paper in the shop opposite, and a third man had joined in the perusal. What could it be to interest them so? A dispute or discussion seemed to arise among them, for they all looked up from their reading together, and one of the three, who had been glancing over the shoulder of another, stepped back to explain or illustrate some action by his gestures. Horror! How like the blow he had struck in the wood! It beat him from the window as if it had lighted on himself. As he staggered into a chair, he thought of the change in Mrs. Gamp exhibited in her newborn tenderness to her charge. Was that because it was found? Because she knew of it? Because she suspected him? "'Mr. Chuffy is a lying down,' said Mrs. Gamp, returning. "'And much good may it do him, Mr. Chuzzlewit, which harm it can't and good it may. Be joyful.' "'Sit down,' said Jonas hoarsely, "'and let us get this business done. Where is the other woman?' "'The other person's with him now,' she answered. "'That's right,' said Jonas. "'He is not fit to be left to himself. "'Why, he fastened on me to-night, here, upon my coat, like a savage dog. "'Old as he is, and feeble as he is, usually, I had some trouble to shake him off. "'You—hush, it's nothing. "'You told me the other woman's name. I forget it.' "'I mentioned Betsy Prigg,' said Mrs. Gamp. "'She is to be trusted, is she?' "'That she ain't,' said Mrs. Gamp, "'nor have I brought her, Mr. Chuzzlewit. "'I've brought another which engages to give every satisfaction.' "'What is her name?' asked Jonas. "'Mrs. Gamp looked at him in an odd way without returning any answer, "'but appeared to understand the question, too. "'What is her name?' repeated Jonas. "'Her name,' said Mrs. Gamp, "'is Harris.' It was extraordinary how much effort it cost Mrs. Gamp to pronounce the name she was commonly so ready with. She made some three or four gasps before she could get it out, and when she had uttered it, pressed her hand upon her side and turned up her eyes, as if she were going to faint away. But knowing her to labour under a complication of internal disorders, which rendered a few drops of spirits indispensable at certain times to her existence, and which came on very strong when that remedy was not at hand, Jonas merely supposed her to be the victim of one of these attacks. "'Well,' he said hastily, for he felt how incapable he was of confining his wandering attention to the subject. "'You and she have arranged to take care of him, have you?' Mrs. Gamp replied in the affirmative, and softly discharged herself of her familiar phrase. "'Turn and turn about, one off, one on.' But she spoke so tremulously that she felt called upon to add— "'which fiddle-strings is weakness to expredge my nerves this night.' "'Jonas stopped to listen, then said hurriedly, "'We shall not quarrel about terms. "'Let them be the same as they were before. "'Keep him close and keep him quiet. "'He must be restrained. "'He has got it in his head to-night that my wife's dead "'and has been attacking me as if I had killed her. "'It's—it's 
"'It's common with mad people to take the worst fancies of those they like best, isn't it?' Mrs. Gamp assented with a short groan. "'Keep him close, then, or in one of his fits he'll be doing me a mischief. And don't trust him at any time, for when he seems most rational, he's wildest in his talk. But that you know already. Let me see the other.' "'The t'other person, sir?' said Mrs. Gamp. "'Aye. Go you to him and send the other. Quick, I'm busy.' Mrs. Gamp took two or three backward steps towards the door and stopped there. "'It is your wishes, Mr. Chuzzlewit,' she said, in a sort of quavering croak, "'to see t'other person, is it?' But the ghastly change in Jonas told her that the other person was already seen. Before she could look round towards the door— she was put aside by old Martin's hand, and Chuffy and John Westlock entered with him. "'Let no one leave the house,' said Martin. "'This man is my brother's son. Ill-met, ill-trained, ill-begotten. If he moves from the spot on which he stands, or speaks a word above his breath to any person here, open the window and call for help.' "'What right have you to give such directions in this house?' asked Jonas faintly. THE RIGHT OF YOUR WRONG DOING. COME IN THERE. AN IRREPRESSIBLE EXCLAMATION BURST FROM THE LIPS OF JONAS, AS LUCEM ENTERED AT THE DOOR. IT WAS NOT A GROAN OR A SHRIEK OR A WORD, BUT WAS WHOLLY UNLIKE ANY SOUND THAT HAD EVER FALLEN ON THE EARS OF THOSE WHO HEARD IT, WHILE AT THE SAME TIME IT WAS THE MOST SHARP AND TERRIBLE EXPRESSION OF WHAT WAS WORKING IN HIS GUILTY BREAST THAT NATURE COULD HAVE INVENTED. HE HAD DONE MURDER FOR THIS. He had girdled himself about with perils, agonies of mind, innumerable fears, for this. He had hidden his secret in the wood, pressed and stamped it down into the bloody ground, and here it started up when least expected, miles upon miles away, known to many, proclaiming itself from the lips of an old man who had renewed his strength and vigour as by a miracle to give it voice against him. He leaned his hand on the back of a chair and looked at them. It was in vain to try to do so scornfully, or with his usual insolence. He required the chair for his support, but he made a struggle for it. "'I know that fellow,' he said, fetching his breath at every word, and pointing his trembling finger towards Lucem. "'He's the greatest liar alive. What's his last tale? Ha, <laughs> ha! You're rare fellows, too. Why, that uncle of mine is childish. He's even a greater child than his brother my father was in his old age, or than Chuffy is.' "'What the devil do you mean?' he added, looking fiercely at John Westlock and Mark Tapley. The latter had entered with Lucem. "'By coming here and bringing two idiots and a knave with you to take my house by storm. "'Hello there. Open the door. Turn these strangers out.' "'I tell you what,' cried Mr. Tapley, coming forward. "'If it wasn't for your name, I'd drag you through the streets of my own accord and single-handed, I would. "'Ah, I would. Don't try and look bold at me. You can't do it.' "'Now go on, sir,' this was to old Martin. "'Bring the murder and wagabond upon his knees. "'If he wants noise, he shall have enough of it. "'For as sure as he's a shiverin' from head to foot, "'I'll raise a uproar at this winder that shall bring half London in. "'Go on, sir. Let him try me once, "'and see whether I'm a man of my word or not.' "'With that, Mark folded his arms and took his seat upon the window-ledge, "'with an air of general preparation for anything, "'which seemed to imply that he was equally ready to jump out himself,' or to throw Jonas out, upon receiving the slightest hint that it would be agreeable to the company. Old Martin turned to Lucem. 
"'This is the man,' he said, extending his hand towards Jonas, is it? "'You need do no more than look at him to be sure of that, "'or of the truth of what I have said,' was the reply. "'He is my witness.' "'Oh, brother!' cried old Martin, clasping his hands and lifting up his eyes. "'Oh, brother, brother! Were we strangers half our lives that you might breed a wretch like this, and I make life a desert by withering every flower that grew about me? Is it the natural end of your precepts and mine that this should be the creature of your rearing, training, teaching, hoarding, striving for, and I the means of bringing him to punishment when nothing can repair the wasted past?' He sat down upon a chair as he spoke, and turning away his face was silent for a few moments. Then, with recovered energy, he proceeded. "'But the accursed harvest of our mistaken lives shall be trodden down. It is not too late for that. You are confronted with this man, you monster there, not to be spared, but to be dealt with justly. Hear what he says. Reply, be silent, contradict, repeat— Defy, do what you please. My course will be the same. Go on. And you, he said to Chuffy, for the love of your old friend, speak out, good fellow. I have been silent for his love, cried the old man. He urged me to it. He made me promise it upon his dying bed. I never would have spoken but for your finding out so much. I have thought about it ever since. I couldn't help that, and sometimes I have had it all before me in a dream— "'but in the daytime, not in sleep. "'Is there such a kind of dream?' said Chuffy, "'looking anxiously in old Martin's face. "'As Martin made him an encouraging reply, "'he listened attentively to his voice and smiled. "'Ah, I,' he cried, "'he often spoke to me like that. "'We were at school together, he and I. "'I couldn't turn against his son, you know, "'his only son, Mr. Chuzzlewit. "'I would to heaven you had been his son,' said Martin.' "'You speak so like my dear old master,' cried the old man, with a childish delight, "'that I almost think I hear him. "'I can hear you quite as well as I used to hear him. "'It makes me young again. "'He never spoke unkindly to me, and I always understood him. "'I could always see him, too, though my sight was dim. "'Well, well, he's dead. He's dead. "'He was very good to me, my dear old master.' "'He shook his head mournfully over the brother's hand.' At this moment, Mark, who had been glancing out of the window, left the room. "'I couldn't turn against his only son, you know,' said Chuffy. "'He has nearly driven me to do it sometimes. He very nearly did to-night. "'Ah!' cried the old man, with a sudden recollection of the cause. "'Where is she? She's not come home.' "'Do you mean his wife?' said Mr. Chuzzlewit. "'Yes.' "'I have removed her. She is in my care, and will be spared the present knowledge of what is passing here. She has known misery enough without that addition.' Jonas heard this with a sinking heart. He knew that they were on his heels, and felt that they were resolute to run him to destruction. Inch by inch the ground beneath him was sliding from his feet. Faster and faster the encircling ruin contracted and contracted towards himself— its wicked centre, until it should close in and crush him. And now he heard the voice of his accomplice stating to his face, with every circumstance of time and place and incident, and openly proclaiming, with no reserve, suppression, passion, or concealment, all the truth. The truth which nothing would keep down, which blood would not smother and earth would not hide. The truth, whose terrible inspiration seemed to change dotards into strong men, 
and on whose avenging wings one whom he had supposed to be at the extremest corner of the earth came swooping down upon him. He tried to deny it, but his tongue would not move. He conceived some desperate thought of rushing away and tearing through the streets, but his limbs would as little answer to his will as his stark, stiff, staring face. All this time the voice went slowly on, denouncing him. It was as if every drop of blood in the wood had found a voice to jeer him with. When it ceased, another voice took up the tale, but strangely, for the old clerk who had watched and listened to the whole, and had wrung his hands from time to time as if he knew its truth and could confirm it, broke in with these words, "'No, no, no, you're wrong. You're wrong, all wrong together. Have patience, for the truth is only known to me.' "'How can that be?' said his old master's brother, after what you have heard. "'Besides, you said just now, above stairs, when I told you of the accusation against him, that you knew he was his father's murderer.' "'Aye, yes, and so he was,' cried Chuffy wildly. "'But not as you suppose. Not as you suppose. Stay, give me a moment's time. I have it all here, all here. It was foul, foul, cruel, bad.' but not as you suppose. Stay, stay. Put his hands up to his head, as if it throbbed or pained him. After looking about him in a wandering and vacant manner for some moments, his eyes rested upon Jonas, when they kindled up with sudden recollection and intelligence. Yes, cried old Chuffy. Yes, that's how it was. It's all upon me now. He, he got up from his bed before he died to be sure, to say that he forgave him, and he came down with me into this room. And when he saw him, his only son, the son he loved, his speech forsook him. He had no speech for what he knew, and no one understood him except me, but I did. I did. Old Martin regarded him in amazement. So did his companions. Mrs. Gamp, who had said nothing yet, but had kept two-thirds of herself behind the door, ready for escape, and one-third in the room, ready for siding with the strongest party, came a little further in and remarked with a sob that Mr. Chuffy was the sweetest old creetur goin. "'He bought the stuff,' said Chuffy, stretching out his arm towards Jonas, while an unwanted fire shone in his eye and lightened up his face. "'He bought the stuff, no doubt, as you have heard, and brought it home. He mixed the stuff. Look at him!' with some sweetmeat in a jar exactly as the medicine for his father's cough was mixed, and put it in a drawer, in that drawer yonder in the desk. He knows which drawer I mean. He kept it there locked up, but his courage failed him, or his heart was touched. My God, I hope it was his heart. He was his only son, and he did not put it in the usual place where my old master would have taken it twenty times a day. The trembling figure of the old man shook with the strong emotions that possessed him, but with the same light in his eye, and with his arm outstretched, and with his grey hair stirring on his head, he seemed to grow in size, and was like a man inspired. Jonas shrunk from looking at him, and cowered down into the chair by which he had held. It seemed as if this tremendous truth could make the dumb speak. "'I know what every word now,' cried Chuffy, "'every word!' He put it in that drawer, as I have said. He went so often there, and was so secret, that his father took notice of it, and when he was out, had it opened. We were there together, and we found the mixture, Mr. Chuzzlewit and I. He took it into his possession, and made light of it at the time, but in the night he came to my bedside, weeping, 
and told me that his own son had it in his mind to poison him. "'Oh, Chuff!' he said. "'Oh, dear old Chuff! A voice came into my room to-night and told me that this crime began with me. It began when I taught him to be too covetous of what I have to leave, and made the expectation of it his great business. Those were his words. Aye, they are his very words. If he was a hard man now and then, it was for his only son.' He loved his only son, and he was always good to me. Jonas listened with increased attention. Hope was breaking in upon him. "'He shall not weary for my death, Chuff.' That was what he said next, pursued the old clerk as he wiped his eyes. That was what he said next, crying like a little child. "'He shall not weary for my death, Chuff. He shall have it now. He shall marry where he has a fancy, Chuff, although it don't please me.' "'and you and I will go away and live upon a little. "'I always loved him. "'Perhaps he'll love me then. "'It's a dreadful thing to have my own child thirsting for my death, "'but I might have known it. "'I have sown and I must reap. "'He shall believe that I am taking this, "'and when I see that he is sorry and has all he wants, "'I'll tell him that I found it out and I'll forgive him. "'He'll make a better man of his own son "'and be a better man himself, perhaps, Chuff.' Poor Chuffy paused to dry his eyes again. Old Martin's face was hidden in his hands. Jonas listened still more keenly, and his breast heaved like a swollen water, but with hope, with growing hope. "'My dear old master made believe next day,' said Chuffy, "'that he had opened the drawer by mistake with a key from the bunch which happened to fit it. We had one made and hung upon it and that he had been surprised to find his fresh supply of cough medicine in such a place, but supposed it had been put there in a hurry when the drawer stood open. We burnt it, but his son believed that he was taking it. He knows he did. Once, Mr. Chuzzlewit, to try him, took heart to say it had a strange taste, and he got up directly and went out. Jonas gave a short, dry cough, and, changing his position for an easier one, folded his arms without looking at them, though they could now see his face. "'Mr. Chuzzlewit wrote to her father, I mean the father of the poor thing who's his wife,' said Chuffy, and got him to come up, intending to hasten on the marriage. But his mind, like mine, went a little wrong through grief, and then his heart broke. He sank and altered from the time when he came to me in the night, and never held up his head again. It was only a few days, but he had never changed so much in twice the years.' "'Spare him, Chuff,' he said before he died. "'They were the only words he could speak. "'Spare him, Chuff. "'I promised him I would. "'I've tried to do it. "'He's his only son.' "'On his recollection of the last scene in his old friend's life, "'poor Chuffy's voice, which had grown weaker and weaker, "'quite deserted him, "'making a motion with his hand "'as if he would have said that Anthony had taken it "'and had died with it in his,' He retreated to the corner where he usually concealed his sorrows, and was silent. End of chapter 51, part 1